0: It isn't really a strategy if everyone else would choose to do it, right? That just means it's common sense at that point. And so using fintech is common sense.
1: You're listening to Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay
2: Greetings and hello. I am James Robert Lay, and welcome to the 198th episode of the Banking on Digital Growth podcast. Today's episode is part of the Exponential Insight series, and I'm excited to welcome Jason Hendricks to the show. Jason is the CEO of Alloy Labs, a consortium of leading community banks working together to drive innovation and adopt new technologies while also developing and testing customer insights creating fintech partnerships, executing on new ideas, and making strategic investments. Welcome to the show, Jason. It is so good to share time with you today, buddy.
0: It has been way too long. I'm hyper-caffeinated, ready to go to talk about banking on digital growth. Don't even know what we're all going to cover, but I'm psyched for it.
2: But you know, that's the fun part about these conversations is we've got a couple... People always ask me, you know, can, can, can I have a list of questions before I come on the show? And I'm like, no.
0: Only if you want really boring content, because you're going to script your answers, and it's going to be exactly, horrible.
2: Exactly, exactly. So I I love doing these kind of off the cuff, and it, it's definitely real. And and speaking about being real, what's good for you right now, man? Personal, professional, your pick.
0: Um, Let's see. <laughs> We're at the hyper close of the construction project. My wife texted me this morning that this is the HGTV she expected two years ago. There's like 10 work people <laughs> all around, because... We've got our three year olds' birthday party on Saturday and she's like, This house will be done. Go flog whatever contractor you need. So that's good. You know, the other it's been interesting as we've come in and out of COVID and I think reached the point that we can really say, Yeah, you know, the world has changed fundamentally. Roll with it. And we're gonna need to continue to evolve. And that gets me super excited for a lot of our community banks that you would, you you know, so we're seventy banks now across the country. And what was interesting is to watch, there were some who were like just in the middle of it, like, you know, Quantic Bank in New York City, you know, Mercantile Bank in Michigan, you know, early ones to get hit hard. And then some bank like Center of Iowa, they're like, we don't know anyone in the county that's had COVID, right? So like there's all this pressure in this change, like we're not feeling it. But now that it's kind of like spread everywhere, I think yeah. it's really galvanized a, a, a bunch of the industry to say all right, let's pull this thing forward. No more excuses.
2: Yeah. And we got to keep moving forward and you know a, a while back you had delivered a keynote um about differentiation, about strategy, about technology and you're talking to 300 C-suite uh, bankers and and then something happened that i found really interesting a, a banker uh, actually a ceo came up to you and and they agreed with some of the, your points about differentiation or what you were really communicating the lack of differentiation yeah. in banking and financial services and he thought he thought he had a solution he whispered to you uh in secret that that his bank his bank was going to work with fintechs and 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 those whispers yeah. of, of those financial brands, quote unquote, working with fintechs has, has now, you know, really postponed. It's a roar. Yeah. Um, this is a problem. And, and I want to know why this is a problem. And more importantly, why is working with fintechs not a strategy for future growth in a post covid digital first world?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you were Lincoln Savings Bank and the first to jump into banking as a service, yeah, differentiated you, you know you know, we'd say the same like coastal community and, you know, SunWest, right? Like there was a shot there as I'm sure you've seen the Finastra survey that Finestra published. 85% Mm -hmm. of banks say that they are going to get into banking as a service or have a banking as a service strategy in the next 18 months, which part of me believes that just because they thought of FinTech, they now believe they have a strategy. Well, strategy, you know, worked for Michael Porter very early in my career. And I will sum up for mm-hmm. everyone who has not read competitive strategy, but they should, especially every bank CEO out there. It really comes down to what is your unique value proposition that creates sustainable competitive advantage? Mm-hmm. If everyone's doing it, it is not unique. If everyone yep. can do it, it is also not sustainable that it becomes your unique moat. And there was an interesting litmus test that one of my mentors at Monitor taught me that it isn't really a strategy if everyone else would choose to do it, right? That just means it's common sense at that point. And so using fintech is common sense. Yes, Yeah. the world is digital. People also still want to interact with human beings, whether on the phone, chat, in person, right? There, There are just certain things we need. Everyone needs to use technology. The what behind it, the why am I doing this? What am I getting out of it? What's different about this is enabled by technology, but technology by itself is not a strategy.
2: Well, I want to roll this back because I think it's important for context. And uh, like, how, how did we get to this point in the first place you know when it uh, and i like the michael porter reference like how did we get here when it came to leaders thinking about and really viewing seeing quote-unquote working with fintech as a strategy roll the clock back and and bring us up to speed
0: well should uh, let's go back to porter for a second also in the book here's my quick summary for everyone who like doesn't want to go get their mba um take his class definitely worth it he wrote that within competitive strategy, there are really only two choices, right? He calls it calls a generic strategy. Just doesn't matter what industry you're in. Do I compete on differentiation or do I compete on scale? Scale equal price, which means I can, doesn't mean I necessarily pass that along a la Costco. I might push it into differentiation. And then I also determine the scope of competition. Am I competing broadly or am I competing in some sort of niche? Historically, Community mm-hmm. banks have been able to compete with the largest banks, not just community banks. I'm going to throw in the mid midsize and the regionals too, have all been able to compete, even though they all offer exactly the same sets of products and services because we needed the branch, right? We yep. needed a human interface in order to execute these transactions. Digital transformation began to change that, right? And so this idea of, Needing the human in my branch footprint being my UI, that's mm-hmm. now changed. And so what has become very clear is everyone had this standardized approach. And by the way, I'm going to throw the regulators under the bus because they always ask for your strategic plan when you go through the exam. It's not really a strategy, yep. but we deluded ourselves that it was strategy because it had the word strategy in it, right? And it really was just a plan, which was a set of metrics in terms of where you're going to get to right in terms of what do your ratios need to be what are you looking for profitability what are you looking for growth right and can risk rating those are important things but it's not a strategy
2: and I, and I think that right there is as you touched on in a, in a LinkedIn article the real problem with partnership and you noted that that fin, fintech technology cannot fix an undifferentiated strategy or, or really, I think even deeper, a non-existent strategy. And coming back to the idea of, of really the two paths, I've always really been inspired since my freshman year of high school uh, from the Robert Frost poem, uh, Two Roads Diverged in a Yellow Wood. And I, lo- oh, look, there was a poster that sat right yeah. by my desk, and I always looked at that. I was like, well, "You could go down that path, you could go down that path." I was never really interested with what was down either path. I always looked kind of like down the middle, and I was like, "Let's go there, cut through the woods." <laughs> yeah, and it's probably gonna hurt, but you're gonna go up to a place where people have not been before. And that is what personally excites me. It's almost like playing Oregon trail, you know, on the yeah. old Mac computers as a kid. It's like, you know, you're going out West and you're blazing new things, but like, like what's the solution here?
0: Well, let's go back to your, the Robert Frost here, right? Since we have James Robert lay in there, like Robert Frost, the path <laughs> that most banks went down the first, the one that was the most well-trodden was, can I buy it from my core? And let's think Mm -hmm. about this from a how backwards is this and where did the fintechs have the advantage is historically banks look to their tech provider to say what technology is available and that will determine what you have determines my technology strategy. Then what I can turn on and configure is actually what I'm calling product, not the way the rest of the world thinks about product, right? It is I'm just going to determine my rate, my fees, add my branding to it. Boom. So now my product strategy is being driven by what technology is available to me. And then what products I have are determining what my strategy is. Now, what's wrong with this? Where's the customer in all of this? Well, as long as we're going to be on the Porter Rift, Five forces, what is the bargaining power of your customers? When you all are offering the same thing, there is no bargaining power. There is no better reason other than rate to cross the street and open a checking account or to get a CD or to get a small business loan from that other bank. Except now that it's being delivered digitally, and this is an important one, and I know you love when I throw this one out, it's not just about digitizing your broken processes, right? And digitizing Mm -hmm. your... Your checking account. No, that is digital lipstick on the analog pig. It is rethinking the experience because for the customer, they don't have a problem with their checking account, which is why if you ask them, what do they want out of their checking account? They'll be like, I don't know, lower fees, um, you know, no overdraft. I don't know um, because they don't know what's possible. When you begin to actually change that, and this is where I think the future, the interesting things will be around embedded finance that it's embedded in some other experience.
2: Yep. Yep, and I think a lot of times, once again, you know, you see this. People don't know what they don't know. People can't see what they can't see. Uh, one of the greatest examples of that has been with uh, you know uh, Steve Jobs and the iPhone. He didn't go out and do a lot of market research. He just saw something different and and took a lot of you know different ideas and brought them together in one quote unquote platform, and then that created an entirely new experience. An experience, as I define, as well defined systems and processes centered around people yep. that have been thought out, applied, and I think the key here. Particularly particularly within banking, is continuously optimized over time, resulting in a positive or a negative emotion, Mm -hmm. right? Yep yeah and so there's there's definitely the, the the psychology and I when it comes to technology I it's a tool um, and, and a tool can be used to bring people together for good but you know so much conversation is around digital transformation and I'm like well what about human transformation why is it that when we go and we look at all of the big consulting firms they're all seeing the same 60 to uh, 85 percent they struggle with digital transformation or yeah. they fell they fell completely or they fell to me but what about human transformation here where, where, where's where's, well, where's the opportunity
0: the, I love love how you called that out because too often when we talk about user experience we're really talking about user interface right needs to be prettier and a better you know user journey user experience really is holistic that one is what the product of the future is not just for financial services but in general where is that emotional connectivity where does it meet you where you are in your life um probably now I didn't, haven't overused this example because people still like don't fully internalize it. No one wakes up and goes, you know, it'd be awesome. I want to go do a refi right now or get a new mortgage. Right. Oh, because, yeah. Like you know, that just sounds fun. Okay. Maybe bankers do because they're rate watching and panicking and trying to take out as much leverage as they can right now, but everyone else it's part of a bigger story. Did I move? Yep. Did I have kids? Are my kids gone? Am I retiring? getting married getting divorced right there's your story not and that's the mm. connectivity where even the you know the best of experiences right so rocket mortgage makes it super easy to apply and get a decision eh, it's an improvement you know let me pick on one of my personal favorites uh Shamir uh one of the founders at simple and i were reminiscing that you know so perk street was founded 2008 simple 2009 we had product market 2009. I want to say they were 2011. So fast forward a decade, right? You know, decade yep. plus. And Shafir and I, there may have been cocktails involved here. He's like, you can get <laughs> your paycheck two days faster. That's it. That's all we've accomplished in a decade is get your paycheck. Yep. Two- I mean, user interfaces are you know prettier and you know thin, open more, but we haven't solved some fundamental issues because I think we haven't re-engineered the system far enough. And what I'm hoping for a number of the banks and the fintechs, like here's where it gets interesting is the lazy thing has been to, I can just digitize and that's innovation, but that's really, you know, a defense game. You're just keeping up at that point. Those that are going to succeed are going to just say, you know what, we need to blow up what we think banking is. And I
2: think that right there is the, the the, the the root of all opportunity in what I see as a pattern of helping people see things differently than how they saw before. That will then inspire them to think differently than how they saw before. And then when I asked, them, well, what happens next? You know, a lot of people will respond, well, I'm going to do different. Ah, no, you have to feel different before you go and act and do different. And that right there, let's dig deeper into this, because it's really about transforming the thinking beyond a tool first or a technology first model to a problem first yeah. model.
0: So we get this all the time, especially and this is we jokingly call it the sorting hat for whether we're going to let someone into alloy labs. If your fixation is on, tell me which vendor I should use, you're not a great fit Mm. because that's not the problem you have. And that is the pervasive part of the industry, which is when we ask back, it's like, what problem are you trying to solve? And they're like, I told you, small business lending. I'm like, no small business ever said their problem was the lending tool, right? Like you could pick any of, you know, a dozen players out there that can go solve this for you. It's what you do with the tool once you have it right? And that's what's going to differentiate you. And so you better go figure out what do I do that's unique in this grand ecosystem? Because being able to make a digital loan to a small business is table stakes. You have to do that, but that is not going to make your business blow up and continue to expand.
1: Digital growth is a journey from good to great, but sometimes this journey can feel confusing. Frustrating and overwhelming. The good news is you don't have to take this journey alone because now you can join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs who are all learning, collaborating, and growing together. Visit digitalgrowth.com insider to learn more about how you can join the digital growth insider community to maximize your future digital growth potential. Now, back to the show.
2: So I mean, let's let's talk culture here because I think culture. Once again, this is human transformation that starts internally to transform the mindset of of leadership. Where's the opportunity, and maybe what are the roadblocks that are holding them back to begin with? To to maybe shine some light on that, so that we can be, begin to create that awareness to then transform the thinking to to, to put you know problem first, model not tech not well, tool I mean, first. We've
0: been conditioned. Look at who we've raised up into leadership positions and who you know sits in the C-suite, more often than not, they yeah. come up through the commercial lending side. Now, this is worse than a, a dad joke my wife refers to as my banker joke is, you know, what do you call a chief lending officer that has 10% losses in their portfolio? It's an ex, you know, CLO. What do you call a chief innovation officer who has a 90% success rate, right? Just the opposite of it they're not very innovative because they're not doing anything that hasn't been done before if it works 90% of the time, right? You're, you're right. treading the, the path that is well-trodden at that point. If you're going to go off mm. path, right? And so let's go back to the Robert Frost. So everyone went down the main path of, I need to get it from my core. And now they're like, oh my gosh, like that's the problem because the rest of the world's changing. What's on the other path, right? so now it's a race to I need to go work with fintech, right? Without mm. stopping to rethink, the, what am I trying to accomplish? James Robert Lee, I, I'm going to cut through the center of this and go where no one has gone before. Culturally, that's scary because that means I'm going to do things that aren't necessarily going to work out and that's okay. And now we're yeah. not saying, Hey, you need yeah. to go run the entire bank that way. Like that's a horrible idea. am not suggesting that I've had CEOs call me out on that. It like, you're saying we need to run the bank like a startup. I'm like, no, I'm not suggesting run the bank like a startup. I'm telling you that run the bank that way, but you need to start planting other seeds in other places. And I'm saying, you know, go bet on, we're going to go be the bank of cannabis or, you know, go put it all in on like gambling. Like we are the bank of gambling. Let's go big. Um, But you need to start saying, okay, what are things that I can begin to experiment around as I rethink what it means to deliver financial services that I can actually win, where there's you know blue ocean opportunity, and is not on buy it from my core or buy it from a fintech path, right? They may enable it, yeah. but the, you know Correct. you got to get into the woods if you're going to go find that unique thing.
2: I like it. I like it. Get into the woods, and I think sometimes like that's where you need a helpful guide, someone who's been down that path before. And 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 you've done this. You you know you're doing this right now. Um, I know that you know within days of going live with Chuck, um, y'all learned more about how customers would use the product than you could have ever guessed um, in in a roadmap. And you took that insight, um, and, and it really comes back to the four what I call exponential growth environments where you you must be learning. You must be thinking thinking Mm -hmm. you must be doing and you must be reviewing and the danger zone is where you just get stuck continuously doing not taking time to review not taking time to learn through those experiences and think about how you can do it even better what did you learn like in in reflection of that
0: specific to chuck or broadly what have we learned about this
2: i say specific to chuck because like you know that's a real practical use case right here of applying this thinking of just continuous innovation, iteration, you know, going into the woods uh, to use your analogy. One of
0: the first things we learned, well, I'd say the number one thing we learned is people don't like Zelle. Like a lot of banks do not like Zelle and there was pent up anger and demand around this. And I think there's Mm -hmm. insight there because the, the thing they don't like is it wasn't a good partnership. It was a product being shoved down their throat and it wasn't necessarily a product. That their customers liked the experience, and they had no ability to influence it. But what we learned about our customers was a couple things. One is that there is actually a digital divide of people that are being left behind in digital transformation, and it's a role I think that the branch still has to play. Where you know the first bank to go live on Chuck would you know was answering questions in the branch. You know, people who yep. were scared of it because they've heard, man. It, and this is a direct quote, just so you know, was, uh, leading an offsite two, three years ago for a bank. The speaker before me, who's was a well-known consultant to the community banking industry said, never use Venmo, all of your money and your identity will be stolen. Direct quote, like kind of threw, threw that down, right? And so the bank board's taking notes, right? We must never use Venmo. I'm like,
1: well, that's
0: not exactly true, but that's planted in a bunch of people's minds now of you know, don't use new yep. tools. And now there's this divide between those and, and you know, this is both an age and sometimes a socioeconomic, you know, kind of divide that further accentuates the haves and the have nots around tools and ways to do things that we need to keep people up. Another thing we learned, in, in once you embed the ability to interact between payment networks, which is really Chuck's value proposition, what's unique about it? Well, Venmo, PayPal, Correct. Cash App, and Zelle are all closed networks. Both the sender and receiver yep. need to be on the same network. And we said, we want to open it up and be a network of networks. Give the choice to the customer in terms of, I just want to send money to you. I don't care what app you use. Let you choose that. And so like, what we learned was there's a huge pent-up demand for that once it was enabled. Uh, I, what you're digging
2: into here is really where I see such a tremendous growth opportunity, coming back to your point on like open banking, banking as a service, uh, and this is about partnership. This is about collaboration. And and I know that you note, when it comes to partnership, partnership should be fundamental, not incremental. Mm-hmm. What what do you mean by that, and and what are the opportunities to really look at partnership through a fundamental lens and not an incremental lens? Well, the incremental lens?
0: lens is vendor management. Well, that sounds old and painful. Let's now call it partnership. Well, if you're actually just having an arm's length vendor relationship, which you need some of those, not everything is partnership. But if it is something where you're trying to explore the unknown. You need to actually align strategically. Can we agree on a vision for what we're shooting for and do our ethos and values around how we're trying to accomplish that align? Because the path through the woods is going to be a lot more painful than you deliver a service. I make sure it's meeting the SLA. If so, I pay you. If not, you remediate. If not, I sue you, right? That's not partnership, Mm -hmm. right? So let me give an example of that. Um, One of our graduates of the concept lab is get careful with two L's uh, out of New York City. What do they do is they are a platform for caregivers to manage the expenses of aging Americans, right? Fundamental issue. I'm in the thick of it right now. Uh, Interestingly, there's academic research that shows you can diagnose dementia five to seven years earlier through financial data than clinically. I know this one firsthand. This is why I'm big fans of what careful does, but think of the, over the course of somewhere between 10 and 20 years, there is a progression from when, especially the adult children go from, I can see mom and dad stuff to co-piloting mom and dad's financials to, you know, where I am is they threw the keys to me and I'm like, this thing's a yep. mess. And so when we approach careful and said, we think you should be partnering with banks. They're like, what are like, Our fundamental asset, and this is true of all banks, like plant this as the seed for what banks need to do uh, to find a new strategy is their one asset that they have right now, they have existing customers that trust them. Now they need to figure out what do I do with that? That is unique, faster than the startup world and the vendors coming from the side can build their own customer base and their own trust, because if they don't figure out how they turn that expiring asset into something more valuable than just a bank and a place I store my money, you're going to have on the flip side, you know, you're seeing the chimes of the world are, you know, as trusted as a bank and you're, you know, finding these new entrants are providing enough value that I'm willing to take a leap.
2: I'm so glad you're, you're tying into this idea of what I'm framing as community with current account holders, because even down to the point, and it's super tactical, but an email address, right? Like, you know, this is an asset that you can do a valuation against. And I, I want to say it was Shopify to where they through, through the research that they were doing, an email to a brand is worth about $35 more okay. or less. And I'm like, that's really interesting because then you can start making the case of, well, let's go out and let's do some – not audience building, but digital community building. Now it comes back to having that niche of what we're taking about this full circle. I want to get your take on this because you're talking about this idea of dementia, healthcare. There's such a strong connection between financial well-being, physical well-being, mental well-being, relational well-being. How do we Empower leadership teams to see beyond just the financial side and look at these other elements. That if we can transform a person's wallet, we can you know, improve their physical well-being. If we transform their wallet, we can improve their mental, their relational. And and Frost Bank out of Texas is doing this, and they have the research to back this up with the program called Opt for Optimism. Uh, I want to get your take on this. Where's the connection here between all these different health points?
0: So Financial Health Network has amazing data on this, you know, on their site. And everyone – you mm-hmm. should go to provoke.fm and listen to Jennifer Tesher's Emerge podcast where she explores all of these intersections on a biweekly basis. And you, know, when we were at Perk Street, we did some, Phil uh, did some research around the sources of stress and across the board. And this was built across um, Blanking now who did the original research, but 85% of Americans say the number one source of stress in their life is running out of money. Right across yep. all income classes, right? That's a problem, right? And it impacts your physical well-being, right? It impacts your family life. Mm-hmm. The number one reason people get divorced, is we we're tying this all together, is normally brought back to finances. Well, it's, I think it was infidelity, then finances. Um, yep. Right, like those things play into each other, and there's the opportunity. And this is where I think banks have struggled is we have so much data on our customers that our ability to deliver and tailor things that help improve their lives incrementally and even fundamentally, right? I think the fundamental remaking of their lives is a series of incremental steps. We don't have to figure out the silver bullet in advance, right? It is a series of hacks that get us there where it's like, you know, let's try this. Does it help? Let's try this. Does it help? How do we actually, you know, Take those things. Have a big vision for what it's going to look like, but you don't know. Back to your Oregon Trail, you know, pre-ways, you didn't have it. You know, down to the turn when you decide, you know, you're leaving the East Coast and you're headed to Oregon, right? Weather storms move you south, and you know the pass is closed, and someone's got dysentery, right? Like the journey changed over time. That's why you know you kept an atlas in the back seat on those road trips yep. because you're like, oh, <laughs> time to deviate. But the most exciting things mm-hmm. you're going to find are going to be the ones where you're deviating and you're leaning into something. Eric Reese had this really interesting um, mm. comment. So forget what year it was. I just remember it was cold. He was. It's when he had started teaching at Harvard Business School and we were out having dinner and Time Magazine had just not uh, um, named Pivot the business word of the year, right? talk about something to take you down a notch. Like I didn't even know having the business word of the year was something on my bucket list that I wanted to accomplish and here he had done it. And he was kind of down on it though. And I'm like, dude, business word of the year. How can you be down on, you know, that, like that's pretty darn cool. And he's like, yeah, except everyone misunderstands it and misuses it. It's like, turns out he's a basketball fan. And it's like, you know, when you pivot in basketball, It's when you move off of your strong foot, right, which is why I'm a bad basketball player, right? I turn into the weak foot and yeah, Um, (laughs) it all ends horribly. Luckily, my wife didn't know this before we got married. Big basketball family. I wouldn't have made the cut. Um, So he said, what you see is people say, oh, you know, we're doing something and we pivoted. And he's like, you didn't pivot you just quit doing stupid stuff you didn't use stuff but keep this family friendly right you just you just quit doing something stupid that's common sense right the pivot is how do i find a thread of insight that i can pull on that's pulling me in the right direction and this is one of the things Mm. within banking that i think we confuse all the time not losing is not the same thing as winning
2: Absolutely, and and I agree with you wholeheartedly there. Let's you know, let's look ahead towards the future for just a minute. And this has been such a fun conversation, Jason. What are you? What are you most hopeful? What are you most excited about? If you look out, let's just call it a short horizon line, three years, because we know how much can happen in three years if we yeah. if we've learned anything from the last two. But let's look out three years. What, what are you most hopeful? What are you most excited about? Do
0: I get to answer what I'm most afraid of right afterwards? Because it'll influence.
2: Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting that I like I like your thinking because this this mm-hmm. goes into a strategic thinking question that I use for those in, in the Digital Growth Institute and the Banking on Digital Growth program. I ask them, "How do you want to grow?" Right? Yeah. And it's and it's an acronym. It's you know goals, and it's kind of like this exercise here, where we're leaping ahead and looking back. And then the R is the roadblocks. It's like what what do you need to be aware of from from your vantage point right now that could trip you up, that could be you know an, an impediment to those goals. And then it's like the, the stoic thinking of, okay, fine, we identify those roadblocks. What are the opportunities that we can then use to overcome those roadblocks to work towards those goals for growth? And I think it's so easy, coming back to your point of strategic planning, well, we have these goals, but we don't even really think about the roadblocks until we're right up on the roadblock. And mm-hmm. at that point, it's like, you know, then it's a real challenge. So let's, let's leap ahead and, and let's look out, look back, and then get into your fear or what I call the roadblock.
0: Buckle up. Gave me a lot to discuss there. So tying back to the economic question that you brought up before is, you know, right now, good answer. The thing I'm most excited about in terms of ability to fundamentally change how businesses and consumers run their financial lives is the power of AI. Mm-hmm. The thing I am most afraid of is the power of AI and unintended consequences, and who actually has access to it and not. And this ties back to your economic discussion because one of the big problems is often we look at some of these fundamental investments we need to go make. We say, what is the business case for creating a data lake or APIs that allow me to extract and bundle and learn from my data and then do something with it? I don't see the business case, right? Let me tell you across our members, the ones who said, yeah, having a core system, and I don't mean core in the traditional sense, but like a, a platform that is yep. flexible and can move data around, those members of Alloy Labs that had taken the pain and said, yeah, we should go do that, like that is probably going to be in the important for us in the future. Nowhere in their business plan, in the business case, did they say global pandemic go to work from home in a span of a week. Right.
1: Mm. But
0: they said, Hey, we think for the future, flexibility is important. then those who are hardwired in their both their people processes and the systems that support them had the opposite experience, right? They're the ones that at the f- first round of PPP were like, we made it. Our people work 24 seven, pat yourselves on the back. And then you're like, second wave's coming. <gasps> right. And they were nearly dead by the third wave or they weren't offering, you know, in the third wave. Right. Yep. So, you needed to take the foundational investment to free the data that is your roadblock. But here's why it also worries me. The law of unintended consequences and what happens Mm. when we're able to go do some of this, right? Like it is creepy. The amount of data that is out there for you. And what worries me is in a hyper capitalistic system, who's looking out for the best interest, Right. Right. In a world that moves slowly, you've know, you you've got some time to figure some of this out. I'm not arguing the CFPB needs to be all over everyone and in the shorts. But it, I, I think there's something deeper than the regulators because I think they will end up getting involved only when something really, really bad has happened. And it's been pretty widespread.
2: There's a, a Harvard Business Journal article that addresses this. And I'm going to quote from it. Uh, And this is research that I've been doing around banking on change, getting into the subconscious mind. The quote is this. All knowledge can be used in constructive, socially responsible ways, just as it can be used harmfully. The more knowledge we acquire, the more we are faced with this dilemma if we want the opportunity to use knowledge to benefit consumers, we should not shy away from learning about the inner workings of the human mind. This also runs the risk that some people might use that same knowledge in ways we consider inappropriate here. I think all, of us have a special responsibility to making clear to consumers and managers alike what we consider appropriate and inappropriate uses of knowledge. This at least will help lessen the inadvertent misuse of knowledge. You're right; it's almost like a Pandora's box, because I'm we're gonna go really kind of like eccentric, ethereal with this, mm-hmm. but I'm I'm finding the mind is more and more like a computer it's programmable it's hackable and then you're getting into like really like an out there thought but i don't think it's too far away of using ai and predictive analytics to almost see what someone can do before they're even doing it based upon previous patterns and behaviors um, so you're right I, I think it's a it's one I don't and I don't have an answer for it but I think we should be having conversations about it for sure
0: so the brand will remain nameless on this um, but what they found is it's a big consumer brand that they could predict pregnancy before the couple evil even was going after it I know exactly
2: it, I know exactly who you're talking about on this one
0: yeah and it, and it wasn't because of you know you were signaling like it's not like I want but what to expect what you're expecting right right there's a whole series of patterns that when you were beginning to think about having a family like or I should say entering the stage that you're going to begin thinking about it that signal before you may have even said something to your significant other yep or partner or whatever right that that is power for good is hey, Maybe it's time to curtail your drinking, smoking, lose some weight, start exercising. Power for bad, you know, do I begin to influence, you know, purchase behavior or take advantage of, you know, other changes that make you more susceptible to something else?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm hmm. So I, th- I think here I want to get real practical and take us out of a dystopian future, uh, but it's one that we should be really aware of. And, and where do we go from here? Like, and I think all all growth, all transformative growth starts with a very small, simple step. What would that be? Because this is, this is something, this future that we're all working to create here that I, I'm hopeful for. I, it's a bigger, better, brighter future. We all grow together. We all learn together. We all win together. Uh, but it's, we can't do it alone. Um, it's too confusing. It's too complex. It's too overwhelming. But this is the collaboration idea. And, and so w- where do we go next? What's something that the dear listener can do today to take a step in the right direction for tomorrow?
0: I think step one is going back to what is our vision for the future? What do we stand for? And you know, find a vision that someone else would not necessarily subscribe to, right? Mm. Like if everyone is gonna, willing to subscribe to that vision, that's you know, not a very unique vision. But you know, if you start with that vision and then say, what's one small thing I can go do to test that vision in terms of what I'm leaning into, in terms of what I want to be and where I'm going to go? because the problem with a lot of the business cases to pick on, you know, business cases for a while is they focus so heavily on ROI and where's the ROI. And the reality is in order for it to be exciting, the R has to be right. Return has to be large and impactful. And as a result, you know, getting big R's often requires big I, right? Mm -hmm. So big investment to get the big return. So as a result, that makes me more afraid from a capital allocation point of view. Yeah. If you want to move nimbly, have a big vision and then go find something that you can test a small r with a small i to go do it because then it doesn't matter if it doesn't work. Take whatever learning you had out of it, pivot on the success, right, the strong leg, lean mm. into what you learned that was good now to go do another small ROI project against that.
2: Yeah, and and this is what in, in banking on change I'm writing to you have to care for growth and a digital growth topia acronyms run amok cause it's the only way that this ADD yeah. mind can actually remember something. But, but the, the sea of care is creating a cause and committing to a cause that is bigger than the present moment. And I think that's where what I call VMV PV. So the it's not the vision per se. It's identifying the villain. Like who's mm-hmm. the villain that we can really rally? You know the 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 horses and the and the wagons around back to our Oregon Trail narrative. Who's the villain that we can rally the horses around? Really commit to a mission and a vision. And then the purpose goes beyond what we're doing internally that ex- that goes externally. And then the values that we bring to support all of that, that's how we commit to a cause that is far greater than what we're seeing right here in the present moment. This is personally what I'm I'm excited about I, when we look at financial I mean, services.
0: Understandably, and dude, one of my favorite banks to cheerlead is Sunrise Banks here. in yes. the yes. Cities, right. Yeah, and David Reisling, David and Becca and what they stand for. You know, Not to pick on your acronym. I don't want to screw it up but I'd say they started with the values, right? Mm. They figured out what they stood for and then went and figured out their strategy and took them, you know, they're one of the only B Corp banks out there. They're interestingly, it's fewer banks in the U S but they're part of the global association of banking on values. Yes. They're committed to carbon neutral. They're committed to um, being able to deliver to their customers, uh understanding of what their carbon footprint is right because that is something they value
2: yeah yeah no i think that's a great point and and that takes time and that takes commitment that takes some courage too, uh, to look beyond the kind of how we've done things for the last you know, 50, 100, 150 years for a lot of financial brands here stateside specifically. And then we can talk about internationally as well. Uh, this has been awesome, Jason. If someone wants to continue the conversation that we have started here today with you, what is the best way for them to reach out, say hello?
0: Um, you can always reach me at alloylabs.com or at Jason Henricks on Twitter. That's H-E-N-R-I-C-H-S. Um, have a listen at provoke.fm with Breaking Banks. We have some good content out there, some new stuff coming up, always playing with formats. And, you know, we go deeper on a lot of the values and change in places that financial institutions need to lean in.
2: Yeah. Connect with Jason. Learn from Jason. Listen from Jason. Provoke.fm. Great stuff over there. Jason, thanks for joining me for another conversation on Banking on Digital Growth. Always fun. Always fun. As always, be well, do good, and make your bed.
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Banking on Digital Growth with James Robert Lay. To get even more practical and proven insights along with coaching and guidance, visit digitalgrowth.com insider to join a community of growth-minded marketing and sales leaders from financial brands and fintechs. Until next time, be well and do good.